Well, good evening, Kairos. I'll say bless the Lord if you say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Welcome back to the attic where we've been doing Kairos from uh, during shelter in place. Um, I want to let you guys know we just want to start a conversation with God and with each other. So if you're watching on Facebook Live or on the website in real time, Go ahead and log in and we can start a dialogue. Any questions you have, prayer requests you have, we'd be happy um, to interact with you. A uh, question I have for you guys tonight as we kick things off is, what is a good gift you have received but you didn't know who the giver was? Have you ever received a good gift but you didn't know who the giver was? It's so mysterious and wonderful and exciting, but also it just fries your circuit boards in your brain and you're like, who did this? Has anyone ever picked up a meal for you at a restaurant and you didn't know who it was and immediately you scan the restaurant and you go, oh my gosh, who was it? Do I know someone here? Anybody ever secretly just handed you a gift card or said this is from someone who wants to re remain anonymous? Um, good gifts. I'm not talking like bad gifts. Like you walk out in your front yard and a neighbor's dog has left you a gift. That's a bad gift. I'm talking about like good gifts, something that you received, um, a note of encouragement anonymously, or just someone who just wanted to seem like they were blessing you. Now, this has happened a lot in my life, um, and I'm grateful for it, but I was never really exposed to it until I started working in Christian ministry world. I was doing a camp one summer with about 20, 25, 20-somethings. 20 uh, we're going around doing camps and ministry, and it was a lot of fun. And they did something called Secret Encouragers. Have you guys ever heard of that? Right? It's kind of like the Christian version of a stalker with appropriate reasons, hopefully. And what happens is, is you get a name from someone on your staff at the beginning of the summer, and your goal all summer is to encourage them in secret. You kind of find out what their favorite candy is, what their likes are, what their music, their books, preferences. Um, you try to write with your left hand and stick them an encouraging note or get a friend to write it so that they think it's a female's handwriting when really it was a male who was their secret encourager. And it was just wonderful. Um, it always brightened up your day. I was really good at this, uh, not because I'm a great encourager, um, but for two reasons. One is... I'm really good at doing things without getting caught. I had practiced that my entire life growing up in a really conservative Christian home. So the subterfuge and misdirection was part of my favorite part of not getting caught. But at the end of the year, we had this big dinner and celebration. And that is when you brought your really, really big gifts um, for your secret encourager. And then they had to try to guess who it was. Some people weren't that sly, wasn't that good. That was my favorite part. I would go all in with gifts. I would try to make it a big deal. I would try to have everyone ooh and ah in the room at, oh my gosh, what an incredible giver Chris is. And I realized something reading through our text for this week. I didn't really like giving gifts to people. I liked the gift of affirmation they gave me for giving gifts. I'm down with the secret encourager as long as you finally find out and celebrate in a public way that it's me. 
right? Secretly, what was I saying this whole time I was giving gifts to people? Look at me, look at me, look at me. I need approval and affirmation. Oh my gosh, I'm the most gracious, humble, secretive giver ever. Does everybody know that? And in this series that we're in, Disruptive Transformation, Jesus is kind of just attacking our motives. What he's basically saying is why you do what you do will determine how you do what you do. And for all of us, he's examining our motives and exposing them through the Beatitudes, through the you've heard it said. And now he's going to say, hey, be careful when you give. Don't be like the hypocrites. Because the sad truth is there is a religious hypocrite that hides in us all, isn't there? Someone who wants to do God-centered things for man's approval and applause. And at the end of the day, it's really for self-centered desires. So uh, Jacoby's going to read our text, and it's hopefully going to cut us to the heart and examine our motives and liberate us and free us to live fully in God's kingdom and his presence and underneath his provision to be exactly who he says we can be. So Jacoby, would you uh, read our text for us? We will hear you gladly. Hey Kairos, it's Jacoby. So glad you're joining us again for worship tonight. I'd love to continue by reading our scripture. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and grab it, or you're welcome to follow along with the text on the screen. Before we do that, I'll invite you to go to the Lord in prayer with me. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. I'll begin reading in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Jesus said, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Jacoby, thanks for reading our text. Boy, it's tough to give and serve without sounding those old tired trumpets. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh, in the acting world, uh, there's always usually a great outtake of any actor who is in the middle of a scene but isn't really feeling it. And they'll stop and they'll say, cut. And they'll look at the director and they'll say, excuse me, excuse me, um, what's my motivation? What is my character after in this moment? And to some extent, Jesus, through this text, is asking us, excuse me, what's your motivation? Because it's your character that I'm after. The problem for us is many of us want to be seen as giving and generous and as helping out the poor, but we really want more than anything 
is people's approval and applause for doing it. This is tough because there is an innate desire in all of us. We want to be seen and we want to share our accomplishments with others for joy and satisfaction. I think God gave us this desire in the garden, right? For intimacy, for purpose, to be seen and to share our power and authority for the glory and goodness of God and the benefit of others. But it gets hijacked by hypocrisy, doesn't it? Sometimes our greatest intentions are hijacked by our hypocrisy because, again, we think we're doing God-centered things, but really it's for selfish results. That's a problem you and I face when it comes to serving and sacrificing for the sake of others, especially um, as a Christian. And if you dig down a couple layers deeper, uh, not only is oftentimes our motive for giving hijacked, some of us aren't even giving in the first place. Because our text tells us, hey, give in secret for your Father in heaven sees you and he will reward you. That's straight from the lips of Jesus. But at the end of the day, we really don't think God sees us. And if he does see us, he's not going to reward us, is he? And if he is going to reward us, it's probably not going to be that good. Regardless that scripture tells us, Paul tells us, hey, I don't think our present sufferings and sacrifices are worth being compared to the glorious revelation and reward that we have in Christ Jesus. And be honest with us, some of us, we're just too greedy and stingy. We don't give at all, even if someone would see us. And I think that's the problem. A lot of times when it comes to giving to causes, we're fine as long as someone knows about the cause and about us. But when it comes to giving consistently and secretly in ways that don't, people don't see often, we just go, no thanks. And the problem is a lot of us are needy and we are greedy and we are hoarders without borders. I got to get what's mine and keep what's mine. I got to get on the hustle. I got to self-promote. I've got to make sure anytime I do anything, it's a big production and a loud promotion. When Jesus is calling us to something different. Now, I want to acknowledge two things in this text I think that will make a big difference for us. One is there's a paradox For those of you who have been following the series and you read this in context, if you flip back in Matthew chapter 5 when we did salt and light, right? Um, All of a sudden, Jesus says, it's you. You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let your good works be seen by all men so they will praise your Father in heaven. Now he's saying, do these things in secret so that no one sees you but your Father. If people see you, you have your reward in full. But if just your father sees you, you have your reward in heaven. How can both of those be true? Well, I think it's, it's some of the fun paradoxes and polarities of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think together we need to share and celebrate when we come together uh, for kingdom purposes. And it should inspire and encourage and challenge us. Like there's a family in the church who owns a restaurant, and of course their sales are doing this. And this week just found out they gave 200 free meals out to the healthcare workers at St. Thomas. Let your light shine. I think there's a, a bunch of stories I continue to hear from our small groups at Kairos that when there's a single mother with a need behind their backs, they take up a collection. Whenever there's financial 
um, trauma or crisis, you guys are constantly seeing how you can meet the needs of others. And I think that's wonderful and it needs to be shared. But I also think there needs to be this part of us that there are some things we do in secret just so our Father sees us. Just for the joy and deep satisfaction. And to quote the scripture that's going to come after this, to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt it, where coronavirus can't catch it, where a declining economy and marketplace will never touch your reward in heaven. And that's the second point. The motivation for this is the gospel liberates us to pursue the reward that Jesus has for us. Right? He freely gave his life for us. We freely receive power and authorities and riches and blessings that come through serving and sacrificing for the sake of others in the kingdom of God. And it liberates us from being these constant people who need affirmation and approval from man. Because all of a sudden, we've got big people and a small God. And at least for me, the spiritual discipline of practicing secrecy, especially in giving kills the greed off in me. The greed for me to hold on to as much as I possibly can. The greed to manage my future and put false safety and security and material possessions and financial security. And the greed in me that I want others to see how really righteous I am. The reward theme is all throughout this text. And we have to be people who live in the light of eternity. And it's a common biblical theme that our Father sees us and He'll reward us. His presence and His provision are as abundant here and now. But boy, I can't wait to see the foundations of a city that are being laid by the saints who are sacrificing in secret and profound and generous ways that none of us will realize until we get to heaven. Put another way, maybe our eschatological assurance will give us a theological endurance to secretly sacrifice for the sake of others. Maybe that eschatological assurance will give us a theological endurance to secretly sacrifice for the sake of others. Uh, I have a secret I need to tell you. Um, I've been seeing someone else. Uh... (laughs) Everybody's like, if I had a dime for every time I heard someone tell me that. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring up past wounds, but uh, up in the attic this past week, um, I recorded a sermon for a buddy of mine in Texas, Neil McClendon, um, and was uh, happy to be able to do so. Known Neil for about 20 years, um, and he's been uh, a spiritual father and friend to me. Uh, He is just this boldly prophetic, pastoral, deeply challenging, consequential presence uh, of the kingdom of God in my life. I hope one day he'll get to join us at Kairos and you just, you'll go, yep, now I get it. I was reminded uh, getting ready to uh, preach for Neil's church uh, about, we met about 25 years ago when I was doing camp as the not-so-secret encouragers, and he really encouraged me. Um, I was a young novice seminary student and I was a seasoned sinner and I couldn't reconcile those two things and how God wanted to use me and heal me and he encouraged me along the way. Uh, During that time uh, I finally got a first uh, event uh, to preach where a church was actually dumb enough to compensate me for it 
And so I was living in Birmingham, Alabama at the time, and it just so happened that Neil, who lived in Texas, was also preaching that weekend at an event because he was an itinerant pastor for a long time um, at another church. And so we were calling back and forth, and um, I, I was an overly zealous and frantically unprepared pastor preaching three sermons in a weekend, which I had never done before. I was getting ready to the night, Saturday night, which was the third session. Um, I uh, am getting ready to leave. I'm frantically scrabbling my notes. I put my um, GMC Jimmy in reverse and the transmission drops out. And it's just like, of course. So I go in, I hop in my wife's 92 Toyota Camry trying to reconcile. We're now a family with one car. Neil's calling me on the way to the event and he's praying for me, encouraging me. He's like, how things going? I'm like, dude, my transmission just dropped. I can't believe it. And I don't think I've got anything to say that's worth listening to. And so he prayed for me and encouraged me. So we get to the event. I get up and I deliver one of the most passionate and pathetic sermons I've ever delivered in my life. It was... I gave it a mile all. My all wasn't very much. So I get done. I get my wife's 92 Camry with that beautiful tan cloth interior in the door handle that was broken I got a voicemail waiting and I punch it in and I listen to it and it's Neil on the phone and he starts quoting my sermon to me he was secretly in the room I would find out later from talking to that pastor in that town that he had asked to do his session two hours early so that he could leave and come support and secretly encourage me then a week later, to top it all off, I get home and in the mail is a check for $1,500 and a note that says, from the Righteously Anonymous, the Fellowship of the Righteously Anonymous. Now, one, I recognize the postmark is from Texas. Two, there's only one human being I know on the planet that talks like that, the, the Fellowship of the Righteously Anonymous. I call Neil back up and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And he just said, man, I'm friends with a bunch of guys who want to use their money and resources anytime that I see someone in need and they want the reward in heaven to be great. What would that look like, Kairos? If this week we were part of the fellowship of the righteously anonymous, what if our eschatological, our future assurance led to a theological endurance so that we could secretly sacrifice for the sake of others. Because let's all be honest, aren't you exhausted, worn out, and your ears are constantly hurting because we're constantly trying to sound those tired trumpets of fake likes and false affirmation. But what if? The majority of our relationship with God and our service to others was done in secret. What if we were icebergs in the kingdom of God? We're sure you see some stuff up here, but the majority of my character, my service, and my sacrifice, it's below the waterline. Amen? So let's take 120 seconds. I'm just going to ask you two questions again. You can... You can write in the comments if you feel comfortable or you can hit pause and talk about it or you can write these down in your journal. My first question for you is where are you most tempted?
to sound those tired old trumpets. Look at me, look at me, look at me. For empty likes and lovers less wild than the adventure God is calling you on to secretly sacrifice for the sake of others. What I mean by that simply is where are you tempted to seek the approval of people more than the applause of heaven? Search me, O Lord. Search my heart. Know my wicked ways. See if there be any unclean, unpure motivations in me because why I do what I do determines how I do what I do. Second question, what can you do this week that will only be seen by your Father in heaven? What can you do this week that will only be seen by your Father in heaven? Amen.